For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everybody, back to the Blue Stable Podcast. It has been a wild one here in the last week. The Colts did lose their week one opener, but that's not the end of the season, right? It's not a one-game season, at least for a lot of people. The Colts did lose, but they have another AFC South division game this weekend in Houston, taking on the Houston, Texas. But before we get to all the good stuff, all right, I got to talk to my guys here. Landon, Marcus, especially you, Landon. It's been quite a week, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, the week's been fine. It's it's really been more about like 24 hours or, or so. It's been an interesting 24 hours for sure. But Right. But I mean, yeah, it's been a good week. Can't complain. Actually, Yeah, bro. How, how dare you disrespect Jake Funk of all people, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't meant towards Jake Funk, which – I thought it was pretty obvious in the tweet. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So I'll let's just address this real quick. So the post that I made about Jonathan Taylor hitting the hole. I thought I didn't even mention Jake Funk in the initial tweet. The only time I did, I mean, somebody asked who the running back was, and I said that, but all I said was his name. I didn't disparage him at all. I thought it was pretty obvious that I was literally just talking about Jonathan Taylor. It had nothing to do with Jake Funk. He did absolutely nothing wrong on the play. Really what, what what it was alluding to is whenever you just have special players like Jonathan Taylor, 90% of running backs do exactly what Jake Funk did there, which is perfectly fine. That's how you're supposed to read the linebackers. You're supposed to draw them into the double team. I get that. But the tweet was about Jonathan Taylor and just how much of a special player he is and how generally when he has those type of running lanes, he's just so explosive and so quick that he just turns that into – I'm not even saying like he would have went for a touchdown. I'm not even saying he would house it. But more often than not, that turns into an explosive play, and that's really kind of what they were missing. So that's really what the initial post was. It had nothing to do with Jake Funk. It was not disparaging. I actually appreciate him, you know, quote tweeting it and explaining the process of it. I love to hear from players like that. It's always fantastic. Um, I could have done a better job of clarifying. I thought I did whenever – I didn't mention Jake Funk at all in the initial tweet. I literally said Jonathan Taylor, but um, that's my bad on that. Um, but where I do draw the line, this is part of a larger issue with social media and all this stuff. But, um, you know, I can handle, you know, everybody under the comments calling me a clown and telling me that I shouldn't watch football anymore and I'm an idiot and all that stuff. That stuff's kind of whatever to me. But um, I did actually have somebody – messaged me late last night I mean, it was overnight that telling me that I should kill myself and um that's something that I hold very dear as far as like suicide prevention and stuff I've had family that have died from suicide I know it affects a lot of people I mean I wear this band this kicking the stigma band here for that reason and uh, it's it's never cool to go after players or anybody i mean even people you don't like i mean that should just never be an option um for you to message them and tell them stuff like that so 
with that being said, you know, it's water under the bridge. Nothing wrong with what Jake Funk said. I didn't think there's anything wrong with what I said. Did think it was a little funny. There were some people under there after Jake Funk's post that didn't say anything on my post, but once Jake Funk said something, then they, uh, you know, they come in and chime in and back him up. Um, that's a little comical, but um, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Water under the bridge. Everything's fine. Um, but I am going to be taking a break from social media just from receiving some of those posts. Not going anywhere. Everything's perfectly fine with me. But after, you know, talking with my wife this morning, she kind of said, look, whenever it starts getting to that point where people are sending you those type of messages, it's time to unplug, time to let everything die down. People have probably already forgotten about the post. You know how social media is. They'll move on to the next person in 10 minutes. But yeah, just just for me personally, just going to be unplugging for a little while. You probably won't see many tweets from me going forward here for just a little while. But um yeah, I'm still around, still be here on the show, still be here to talk with you guys, uh, still be able to give my thoughts on football. Whether you guys want to hear them or not, I'm still going to be here, um, you know, giving my thoughts and all that, still studying tape and doing all the fun stuff. So that's me addressing the issue. It's over with now. Everything's good. Um, ready to talk about the Texans. The man, dude. It, all that is just dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. And again, when you say you could have done a better job clarifying, I don't know how much more you can get better at clarifying. Like common sense just isn't that common anymore. But yeah, um, we, I should have just like broken it down step by step on, on everything. Yeah, like kindergarten class, you know, put it on the board and, you know, context yeah. clues and yeah. take I care give, of that stuff. And, sometimes hey, I, do. I give people too much credit sometimes. Hey, bro, it's those high character traits that Chris Battle looks for, man. Defend yourself on twitter even though nothing no, was I, bad I, don't say, I don't have any problem with what jake said that yeah yeah i mean i'm perfectly fine with that which is why i didn't understand why he even I, responded well no like, i i agree so um i agree with actually what he did and like mm -hmm. I, I get it because so many people under the comments were tagging him and calling him out and telling him how awful he was and that's just not cool to do to players in general like i mean these guys like I respect the fact that like these guys sacrifice so much. I mean, they're like Jake Funk, regardless of what you think of him on the Colts, he's still an NFL running back and he's one of the top players at his position in the world. So um, yeah, I have no problem with him quote tweeting it, especially because some of the flack and I apologize if I caused any flack to him on his part. That's what I'm saying is it had nothing to do with Jake Funk, which I thought I made obvious. Apparently I did not. Um, and, and people just really took that and ran with it, which uh, is really unfortunate for him. It's really unfortunate for me. It's really unfortunate for Colts Twitter, which I try to make a positive place and try to keep everything positive. But I know sometimes on social media, that's just an impossible task. So yeah, it's, um, it is what it is. Like I said, water under the bridge, no ill will towards anybody um, moving on. And I'm excited for Anthony Richardson, I'm excited for the Houston Texans and uh, ready to get to talk to you guys. Let's go, bro. Let's move on. Hopefully, Jake Funk can be more active on Sunday than he is on Twitter. So let's go ahead and talk about it this week, okay? Now, hey, Anthony Richardson versus C.J. Stroud. Earlier this year, earlier the summer, really, before the schedule came out, I talked about how I wanted, like, I, I was dying for this to be the for week one opponent. NFL didn't listen, but they said, hey, we'll do you one better. We'll say we'll save it for week two after you've already seen what CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson 
Anthony Richardson can do. Both of them came out of their week one games 0-1, so it's going to be level playing field in Houston. So I want to open it up to you guys. First off, just y'all's thoughts about the Houston Texans. Uh, Marcus, let's start with you. I think, I think you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. First of all, I'll say, what's up, guys, you know? Uh, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to look at the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts because they're almost in the same scenario. When you look at, you know, the offense and the defensive side, they both have young quarterbacks, uh, offense is changing, and they both have star-studded defenses that can pretty much carry the team into a victory if needed. Um, and you kind of seen that last week with the Houston Texans, if anyone watched that game. They put up a good fight on the defensive side. They got, they got a young edge rush, and it's pretty good. They got some promising players, some good defensive talent as well. And on the offensive side, you've seen some struggles, but you see promise as well. And I feel like you can do the same thing with the Indianapolis Colts. So I think it's a very interesting matchup. I think the Houston Texans got a good future ahead of them. They got them a franchise quarterback. The run game could be better, but they got a decent receiving group. And like I said, the defense is really, really underrated. And they got a, a decent pass rush. So I think it's going to be a good matchup for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's a team. Like, they're clearly in a rebuild right now. I mean, they're, they went young. They got – Will Anderson, who just looked like an absolute stud last week, he looked fantastic. Um, it's really unfortunate about their offensive line. I believe they're down three starters already going into week one. Um, guys that, you know, they invested a lot in, you know, second round center. I think they had a first round guard. They, you know, paid a bunch of money to their right tackle as well to come in. And uh, all those guys are out for, I believe, for the season, if I'm not, you know, correct me, but it's a prolonged period of time. And so it's really unfortunate, you know, C.J. Stroud now having to deal with that situation there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a good offense. It's a good offensive scheme, very similar to what Kyle Shanahan runs, um, you know, in that kind of a same mold. And um, I think there's a lot of room for growth. You know, their, their weapons leave a lot to be desired outside of, you know, I think Nico Collins is good. Uh, Tank Dell's on the team. They talked about getting him more involved. I think he, he has some – some really good talent, but uh, yeah, it's just a team, you know, clearly in, in a rebuild. I think they're a little bit less talented than the Colts are in, in some areas, but it, it should be a, a fun game. All right, let's start getting to the breakdown, guys. So Landon and Marcus, let's start with you guys. All right. What do you want to see the offense, the Colts offense build on after last week? Landon, let's start with you. Yeah, really. Um you know, they looked good as far as controlling the tempo, getting into the right sets, getting Richardson a lot of easy reads, really, you know, making his life easy on those, you know, first reads, RPOs, that pistol formation, throwing to areas he's comfortable throwing to. Really only saw a couple of mistakes in the game, of, you know, from him. And that's big for sure. So I would really love to see them um, now – kind of convert more on those third and fourth down calls. Like that's really like the next evolution for this offense is situational football. Um, and, and that's really where they need to grow. So that's something that I'm looking forward to this week to see how efficient and effective they are on these third down. Are they getting into third and longs or are they able on first and second down to get, you know, manageable distance? Are they able to get first downs or are they able to at least make it third and manageable, you know, third and five, third and four, that kind of thing. That way, because I know it was a little bit hard last week because of the lack of the running game. They got stuck in a lot of third and long situations. And, I mean, 
that's tough in the NFL. You never want to be in third and long. And so you really saw that play out. They weren't able to maintain control and maintain these long sustained drives and give their defense a chance to catch their breath. And in the fourth quarter, you kind of saw that defense finally break. Yeah, you mentioned a good point there on the third and fourth downs because that was very pivotal last week, man. I feel like, you know, we all can say the defense pretty much gave it their all last week, and there was just times when the offense just consistently let them down, and, you know, the defense wound up getting gassed. But you mentioned third and fourth down. I got to pivot to the run game for sure because I think that's very important for this offense moving forward. And, you know, it's in a, it's in a very tricky situation. A lot of Colts fans want them to go sign somebody out of free agency for the run game, but this is a big week for Jake Funk. Uh, I've been campaigning for him to, you know, get more snaps moving forward because we've seen how last week struggled with the run game. I feel like if you switch it up, just give somebody else a shot and see what the run game looks like when you put them in there, maybe you might get a different look and maybe they might be the fit for the scheme moving forward. So this is a big week for the run game. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to work because if we can get any type of balance on that offense, we can be very good, and a lot of record predictions could pretend, can start to change if we can see some type of structure with the run game. And, you know, that, that just starts with the blocking, and I'm pretty sure one of us is going to mention that moving forward, but the run blocking has to be very important, and it has to be on point for that to work. But I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the run game. So after last week, one of the bigger issues was getting your best players involved, a.k.a. Michael Pittman Jr. Going into halftime, Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce accounted for combined one target. One target. That cannot happen. Yes, Michael Pittman Jr. ended up having what? What was it? 11 targets at the end of the game. Eight catches, 90-plus receiving yards. That was okay in the second half. But that can't happen anymore. You can't have your best player on offense go one target. You can't have it. So, Landon, if you were Shane Steichen on Sunday, how are you utilizing getting Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce the ball early? Well, really, it's just – I mean, I actually think, like, they did a good job of it um, against Jacksonville. It was just more of, you know, where the defense dictated the targets go. You know, they did a great job, I think, of bracketing Pierce early and really kind of forcing Alec Pierce, you know, forcing those long completions away, you know, playing those two high safeties – of playing that shell coverage. They did a really great job of really forcing that check down and forcing those underneath and short passes. Um, and that's something Anthony Richardson struggled with in college, which we all thought he would struggle with. And he was the most accurate quarterback last week in the entire NFL on passes from one to 10 yards. Uh, so what a, what a change that is. Uh, a lot of optimism moving forward there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just – you just have to keep – keep the concerted effort going. Um, I think they could switch it up a little bit, maybe run more mesh concepts, maybe run, you know, those, those quick RPO slants, you know, that kind of stuff that they did um, and get, you know, Michael, P- Michael Pittman, the ball more on like, you know, crossers and Alec Pierce, that ball. I mean, th- that tunnel screen, you know, to Michael Pierce, I thought that, or Michael Pierce, Michael Pittman, um, I've, you know, I thought that was a fantastic call. Um, and I, I would just like to see more of that stuff really, really take shape. But in reality, 
I'm sorry this has kind of got long-winded here, but um, it's really up to the run game to get those guys more involved, if, if we're being honest, because once that run game gets going, maybe you bring those two high safeties. It forces that safety down, and it gives you more one-on-one coverage, more where you can take those deep shots to Alec Pierce, where you can you know, run those posts with Michael Pittman and, and run more of these you know, tunnel screens and you know, crossers and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I thought they had a good game plan to get them involved. I thought just the lack of a run game and the way the defense played last week in Jacksonville just kind of predicated – you know, those guys not getting the ball, um, which was a good game plan on Jacksonville's part. Another issue last week was kind of the offensive line, whether some in some instances it was the pass blocking and in most instances it was the run blocking. So we're going to get into the blocking right now. Marcus, this one's for me and you right here. Is it too early to be panicked about the offensive line? Um, I would say uh, yes. It's only week one. Well, now it's week two now. But I do think it's a little early to think that way because, I mean, you can't really get your true answer on how the offensive line is going to look until, like, at least week five to six. I think six or – I think week six is, like, a definite answer. Like, okay, this is an issue. But, you know, moving forward, I did think the offensive line showed some type of promise, especially when we mentioned the RPO scheme and, you know, getting those quick passes out and it kind of covers up your real issues. I mean, but, you know, no no offensive line is 100%. You're going to have some hits and misses, but I think the offensive line does better in pass protection than run protection. So, I mean, that, that's what they really got to improve on is run blocking, and that's just going to be the biggest test this week to see if it's going to be a real issue moving forward. So I do think they did show some bright signs moving forward, but, you know, but we'll see. And, def- and definitely um, when it comes to, you know, the injuries, we got to look forward to that too because we've seen Quentin Nelson on the on the on the list. We've seen some big pieces on the injury list, and moving forward, if you know if that's going to be one of the issues, then yes, I will agree with you. But right now, I think it's a little too early to start thinking that way. I think after the game, I was more panicked than I was that I am now because during the game, it, it just never occurred to me that damn the Jaguars have two top 10 rushers one of them being a former number one overall pick as their pass rushers like that had that that just like wow so i agree it's only week one and we might look back on this game and trayvon walker and josh allen might combine for 25 sacks and we'll look back on it and say damn the colts actually did pretty good they did pretty good against that tandem so it's week one uh you know they, they probably are a very promising duo Probably the next, dare I say, Mathis Freeney combination in the AFC. No, don't kill me, Colts fans. I know we, we don't want to com- combine or compare those to Colts, but you know, I, I think it is too early right now because, again, even though there were some really rough patches by some guys, you gotta look back at by by the time we get to week 10 you got to look back and say okay where is that tandem now where's allen and walker now where's their debt pieces now what is their front seven or their front four rather where are they now how much are they the best pressure rate unit are they up there in sacks are they up there in quarterback hits where where are they at so i'm gonna uh, agree with you there landon should we be worried about D'Amico ryan's pass rushing attack yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Will Anderson looked like a stud last week, and he looked like a stud in the preseason. So, um, I mean, for all the flack that they caught for giving up those assets to trade up and get him, 
you know, he looks like he's going to be a player. And, you know, there wasn't really any doubt about that from most people. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, anytime you have a young quarterback, and especially with Quentin Nelson's health going forward, we'll see what that looks like if he's playing. But because uh, of the depth on this team, it's, it's rough. So if Quentin Nelson's not in there, yeah, that's a big worry. So you, you should absolutely – you should always be worried about pass rush. That's That can really affect and really throw off – you know, your entire offense. And we saw that last year play out quite a bit, you know, just how these rookie quarterbacks and really just this offense right now, you know, these quick RPOs and all this, it really relies on a lot of timing and, uh, you know, rhythm type of plays where, you know, Anthony Richardson's hitting his, you know, you know, his drop and, you know, balls coming out and, you know, he's got to make quick decisions. And we really saw that last week. So anytime there's pressure on a play, It'll throw off the rhythm. It'll throw off that. And luckily, you know, Anthony Richardson's uh, absolutely fantastic as far as, you know, avoiding sacks and, you know, getting out and creating on on the run and making it really difficult for defenses and defensive lines. Um, so that's definitely a, pre- a positive. But, yeah, you should always be worried about pass rush. I definitely am because even though D'Amico Ryans is the head coach and he is impl- implementing his defensive philosophy – Matt Burke is going to be the play caller on defense, and he comes over from Arizona, former defensive line coach, but still. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Him and D'Amico Ryan see defense the same. Last year or in his time in San Francisco, when he would dial up blitzes when he needed to, man, they were creative. They were very creative. They were well-timed. And, of course, it's on the play of the linebackers to really disguise it and execute. Do they have linebackers that are like Fred Warner? Probably not, <laughs> if we're being honest. I don't know there's many linebackers, if any, that are like Right. <laughs> right. Maybe one or two. One. Yeah. But uh, but it, it, it's also easy to say for D'Amico Ryans, you don't necessarily have to bring blitzes when you got guys like Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Samson Ibukam, who was in San Francisco the last couple of years. When you got Javon Kinlaw, when you got those guys, you don't have to bring as many blitzes. But going back and watching the game against Baltimore, now, yeah, Anthony Richardson does, does pretty well, did solid last week. 
Lamar Jackson is quicker than Anthony Richardson. Lamar Jackson is faster than Anthony Richardson, and he was getting pressured from Houston. They were dialing up some really good blitzes. Lamar Jackson was sacked four times, and they got to him. To one, I believe, was Christian Harris. One one of them was on the play. One of them was Will Anderson, I believe. The other one, oh, man. I I know two linebackers got to him at uh, two different points in the game. So the fact that these blitzes are going to be coming, and they got a good test in Lamar Jackson week one, especially heading into a contest with Anthony Richardson. Now he's a rookie. He's not as experienced as Lamar Jackson. Hasn't seen that many defenses and defensive looks in the NFL as Lamar Jackson. What are they going to do? What are they going to throw at Anthony Richardson? Especially if you've seen some weaknesses, Will Fries, on the offensive line. What are you going to do? How are you going to attack those weaknesses and get Anthony Richardson off his game? I'm worried about it, honestly. Yeah, they got some guys. Will Anderson. They got Malik Collins. They got Sheldon Rankins, who's been promising. They got the vet Jerry Hughes. Got to give a shout-out to my boy Dylan Horn from TCU. He's on the two deep. They, they have those guys there. So can they make some pressure? Can they free up the linebackers? Landon, I think you wanted to get something in. Yeah, just like as far as like something too that like kind of concerns me, and this is even going back towards the Steichen in Philadelphia was kind of an issue, is just um, just really the hot routes, like not having those answers built in for the, those plays where they do bring pressure. We kind of saw that last week with Richardson. There were a few plays where, you know, those linebackers come through and they're right in his face. And, you know, luckily he is creative enough to where he can make things happen, but you'd really like to have, you know, those hot routes, you know, kind of built in, you know, giving your quarterback some relief there. So that's something, you know, if they do decide to bring pressure, that's something I'll be watching closely to see if they have those answers for those blitzes and those kind of pressures. Uh, and it, and if they're able to implement those hot routes in, into their offense. So, Marcus, talking about the Colts defense, should the Colts defense be feeling confident heading into Houston, and why? Well, absolutely. Uh, one, because of week one, I think that's a great start for your defense to carry the momentum going into next week. Also, knowing that the offensive line for the Houston Texans is banged up, this could be a good advantage for the defense to have another good week. And who loves that more than us, right? Because we love to see the defense go out there and play. Plus, it's Gus Bradley. He's experienced. He's been here already. We know we're familiar with the scheme, and we got players that's coming back. And I think they all played really well next week. I mean, last week. So I think this week could be another good week for them. And I think, you know, maybe this could be another big game for Quiddy Pay, uh, like I said. So I think this is a good week for them to, to bounce back and have another good week. Maybe you might see a Julian Blackman interception. You don't drop the ball. I did say it was slippery last week, so maybe they don't, they don't get a wet football this week. So – uh, but I do think this is a good one for them to have another good game. Just, just, just due to pre injuries for the Houston Texans, which isn't fair for them. But hey, we don't, we don't make the rules. Right, right. I, I think the secondary for the Colts should possibly be feeling, you know, better because again, you probably we won't see a Calvin Ridley this week. Maybe I don't want to get caught in 4K. But Nico Collins. He, he, he's solid six for 80 last week. He was solid. I really liked him coming out of Michigan and he showed some really good potential and he's obviously uh, doing some good with that. They also got John Mechie who did not play last week. We'll see if he's able to go this week, but I think the defense is going to be very confident heading into Sunday and possibly coming out of Sunday because that front seven, 
I'm not sure if the Texans are going to be able to run the ball on them. I, I don't know. Again, hopefully I don't get caught in 4K. Hopefully not. Um, but, I, but I trust DeForest Buckner, who got off to a great start last week in trying to get first-team All-Pro. DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Samson Ibukam, Quiddy Pay. That's a pretty stout run defense right there, defensive line in general. Because Samson Ibukam, I mean, again, that's why he was a very, very huge upgrade over Yannick Ngakwe because Yannick Ngakwe was a liability in uh, run defense last year, and he was a liability there. And also, he wasn't as consistent pressuring the quarterback as Samson Ibukam is. So that's my thing when it comes to the defense because, again, you got that flying missile back there, Zaire Franklin, the leader of the defense, the voice, the energy. I do assume, I do, we do anticipate Shaquille Leonard taking that title back when he gets back, when he gets his legs back under him. But in his absence, Zaire Franklin is here. Ziggy is here, and he is on fire. So, Leonard and Marcus, what player should Colts fans be worried about on the Texans' offense? Marcus, let's start with you. Well, I just want to say thank goodness that Brandon Cooks is no longer in Houston because that would have been my answer because nobody – Brandon Cooks is so unstoppable, bro. But now that he's gone, I think Nico Collins is definitely going to step into that role and be used a lot for C.J. Stroud. I think that could be a very interesting duo moving forward. But I do think Nico can definitely have himself a good game if he uh, happens to get off at any moment. So he could be the guy to watch. I'm pretty sure Landon might have the guy that I second guess, but I wanted to save him for for him. But I do think Nico Collins could definitely be uh, a solid, you know, player going into this week if he happens to get open at any moment because he can he can he can ball, man. He's a good baller. Definitely one of those guys. Yeah, well, actually, Nico Collins was the guy I was going to choose. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, just for different purposes, uh, I mean, honestly, it's C.J. Stroud. That, that should be the guy that they should be worried about on offense. It's the quarterback. This is a quarterback's league. That's the, that's the guy you got to deal with, throwing the ball, handing the ball off. Um, they've done a fantastic job last week, you know, playing Trevor Lawrence, who I think is now comfortably going to ascend into that, you know, top five, you know, quarterback conversation. You know, he just – he made some absolutely ridiculous throws. I mean, throws that generally have no chance of being caught. Um you know, he, he was sticking them. So it, it'll be interesting now to see if they can bring that type of intensity and pressure and apply that to C.J. Stroud because that's something that the Colts have – or, you know, C.J. Stroud has kind of struggled with even going back in college. You know, outside of the Georgia game is, you know, whenever he is under pressure, he does tend to make some mistakes. So um, this is a quarterback's league, and that's that's the guy you should worry about bar none is, is the quarterback you got to get him on the ground you got to make him uncomfortable you got to make him make mistakes he's a rookie you got to bait him a little bit into making some throws that he doesn't really want to make um and, and i think if they can make him uncomfortable i think they have a good chance in this game whoa does landon think everybody else on the texans suck man watch tank dell go for like eight for 120 against us god dang it freaking landon uh <laughs> but Hey, okay, that pile on. I've gone. I've, I'm accepting yeah. right. He he's accepting every all the criticism right now. Okay. Keep on coming. Hey man, that that that's good stuff. Now let's head on over to the three things the Colts need to do to make sure they come out of Sunday with a win. We're gonna go in this order: Landon, Marcus, and then finish with myself, and then we'll head into predictions. But before. We do that. If you have not already, make sure you are liking and subscribing the Blue Stable on YouTube. Make sure you are following, downloading us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also 
If you are a first-time visitor of Homefield Apparel, make sure you go over there, get you a bomber jacket with 2006 Super Bowl champions on there. Maybe get you a fleece hoodie. Maybe get you a T-shirt, some joggers, some nice you know, if you want to sleep in something comfortable, get those as well. Head on over to Homefield Apparel, go to their Colts site and get whatever you want, and then use the code Blue Stable, one word all capitalized, Blue Stable to get 15% off your final price. That's over at Homefield Apparel. Go check it out. Now, three things the Colts need to do to come out of Sunday with the win. Well, first, I'm going to highlight something I highlighted earlier, and that's situational football. That's being able to get in third and manageable, convert third downs, keep these drives sustained and long, keep your defense off the field, keep them fresh. So whenever they do play, whenever you're deep into the fourth quarter, if you're in another hard fought game, you know, these guys are ready to go and they're ready to get after CJ Stroud. They're ready to get after this, you know, Texans offense. So that's really going to be my main thing to be watching this week is just how efficient they are in these, you know, in the red zone on third downs, on fourth downs, you know, because I assume Shane Steichen is going to continue to be aggressive, continue to go for it, which I absolutely love, by the way. Um, I have zero issues in that, um, in him being aggressive. So, yeah, uh, I think if they can just make those third downs manageable, make these drives a little bit more sustained and make sure to capitalize in the red zone, um, yeah, I, I think they have a really good shot this week. I agree. You know, the whole thing about being aggressive is that you got to convert. And one of those things is if you're going to be aggressive and run the ball, you got to actually get it done. And running the ball is definitely a point that I made early, but I got to keep making because, you know, I banged the anvil for for Jake Funk to, to, you know, start this whole campaign since the season started. I love Deion Jackson. I, I mentioned him before, but I was like, you know what? It's time for Jake Funk. It is. And it really is. And I think this could be his game. And if he can get, if we can get any type of production out the run game, we can get a, a Michael Pittman Jr. game. We can get an Alec Pierce game. You know, we can get an Anthony Richardson explosion. All of these things can happen, but it has to start with some type of structure in the run game. And I think the run game is very important moving into this week because if we don't have any type of things coming out of the run, Anthony Richardson is going to be in for a long week. And you know, that pass rush for Houston Texans is going to be hungry. So I think we got to get something to come out that run game so we can get some type of balance on this offense and to keep the defense off the field too, man. We got to get something going in the run game. Man, those are two really good points right there. I, Man, I'm really putting myself, setting myself up for failure with this one. But I'm going to roll with it, and I'm going to explain why. My third reason is going to be disguise blitzes and coverages make C.J. Stroud think. Why is on earth is Michael telling an NFL quarterback to think? Well, go back to what was CJ Stroud's biggest problem at Ohio State. After the first read was taken away, what would he do? Did, couldn't necessarily figure it out, especially one of the top things that was discussed in, in uh, the pre-draft when it came to CJ Stroud. Of course, it's always easy to make that first read when you got guys like Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and then the year prior, Garrett Wilson, and all those guys. It's easy to get that first Chris read. Olave. <laughs> Chris Olave. Chris Olave. I don't know how I didn't what even a, name what him. A, what a, but, what but a loaded team. A loaded team. He showed a little bit in Baltimore, even though he did have a, a strong game. But this is Gus Bradley he's facing. Love me some Gus Bradley. Like what he's able to do. 
Shaq Leonard has another game under his belt. Try to get his legs under him. I want to see Gus Bradley try to confuse C.J. Stroud and buy the defensive line more time to get home to him. That's what I want to see. I think that's what the Colts have to do again. C.J. Stroud might come out and boom, and I'll take the blame if the Colts lose this game for that reason, and C.J. Stroud goes off. I'll take the blame for it. I called him out, and obviously he heard about the blue stable. He fired it up to the team, and everybody's saying, F you, Michael, four eyes, uh, dork. So that's what I'm going to say. I think Gus Bradley's got to attack CJ. He's got to throw a very complicated defensive uh, disguise at him, make him think, buy the defensive line more time to get home. And if you can get home to CJ Stroud, that's going to be a lot more time for the offense to be on the field and the defense to rest. That's going to be my third reason. That's all good stuff from us. Now let's get into the final segment of the show. Predictions. Let's go Marcus, myself, and Landon. Hold on. Actually, wait. We'll start off with Landon this time because last week we didn't listen to him. We need to hear the voice of reason. We need to hear. We need to go back to school. We need to take notes. Hold on. Where's... Where's my iPad right here? Let, let me get my iPad out. Let me open notes and let me, you know, let, let me take some notes according, here, okay? According to Later. Twitter, according to Twitter right now, that's probably not a smart move on your part. Oh yeah, okay. What the heck am I doing? You don't know, but anyways, I don't know. What I'm you want to know so far on predictions? You want to know? Right, you're you're want to know. So let me get my news, uh, my notes going here. Landon's classroom. All right, segment two. All right, Landon, let's start us start us off here. I'll go second, and then Marcus will finish this off. Yeah, I think um, I think this is a strong week, another strong week for the Colts defense. This is about consistency. Now, you, you've seen them dominate in spurts in Jacksonville. You've seen that defensive line really put pressure on. I think at the end they just ran out of gas because they were on the field a lot. Um, I think this week things get figured out a little bit more. I don't, I don't think this team's quite as talented as Jacksonville is, um, you know, in multiple areas quarterback offensive line play was pretty good last week for Jacksonville um Houston's like I said missing three starters and I don't think they have near the weapons Jacksonville has either so I expect this defense to play tough um and I expect the Colts to come out and uh, try to get you know those shot plays involved we're going to see how the defense of Houston plays them but I think you're going to see a lot more explosive passes as opposed to kind of the dump offs you saw last week I think they're going to open things up a little bit more week by week so I'm actually going to take the Colts in this one. I think the Colts end up one and one. Uh, I've got the Colts winning 24 to 17 in this game. Whew. Okay. So on this one, this game, I kind of tussled a little bit more than I did with last week's prediction because I love this matchup. I, I want to see C.J. Stroud versus Anthony Richardson, two rookies, Shane Steichen versus D'Amico Ryans going back to the NFC Championship game. There's going to be some incentives for both of these coaches. Um, D'Amico Ryans got embarrassed last year in Philly in the NFC Championship game. Is he? Does he have a little bit more fire under him, and is he firing this team up? This is an AFC division rival. This is a division showdown in their home opener, by the way. But I'm going to take the Colts in this game. I'm going to take them by one point, 21 to 20. I'm going to go with the Colts. Why? Because I do think at the end of the day, the defense is going to settle down and they're going to figure it out uh, in the second half. I think they'll probably have some trouble in the first half. I think CJ Stroud's going to come out slinging. He's going to come out motivated. But I think in the second half, the defense is going to hunker down and they're going to get a win. 
I'm still kind of torn. Like, man, I really love the Miko Ryans. I really love CJ Stroud, but I love Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson more. Um, it also goes by which quarterback is more motivated to show up the other, to put the team on their back and win this game. There was another thought that I had on my mind that I think escaped me just now. But with this game, I, I just still tussle. I think it's still going to be a game where that that's what I wanted to see to Landon's uh, point and what we've talked about in the show getting those deep shots man Jalen Petrie is going to be back there and in college at Baylor he was one of the better safeties at defending the pass longer than 30 yards and I had to go back over the summer and find that when I was talking when I was looking into the Houston Texans Jalen Petrie is going to be that guy he's going to be that ball hawk Jimmy Ward you know if the Colts happen to find success in the run game hopefully they do Jimmy Ward's going to be that guy that's probably going to be coming up in the box. So there's going to be Jalen Petrie going to be in there sitting in single high, and then he's going to pick his poison. Are you going to Michael Pittman? You going to Alec Pierce? I'm not sure. I'm probably overvaluing him than how more than how good he is. But man, if you want to challenge Jalen Petrie, now remember that boy Derek Stingley's back there. So maybe you're going to try and do- I still love me some Derek Stingley. Still my draft crush of his draft class. Still my number one guy. I'm kind of torn there. I'm kind of torn there. Are they going to take those deep shots, and are they going to find that success? Who's going to win that matchup? So, But I do think that the Colts' defense is going to win this one for the Colts. So that was pretty long, but give me the Colts 21-20. to I'm going off off the rails here. I do have the Colts winning. But only because the defense had a great week last week, and this is a little bit lesser of competition. This is no knock in Houston because they have a bright future. I think if the defense can play any type of way last week and they actually do get some more takeaways, I think the defense can put up more points last this week than they did last week. And maybe we get a special glimpse of the special teams this week too. So I'm going to say – 27-13 Colts victory. I do think the Texans are going to have some drives where it just settles in field goals. And I do think they'll score eventually. So I do think the Colts defense can put up some points, and I think that'll give momentum to the offense as well. So this could be a very good game for the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm going to go 27-13. All right. Man, guys, if there's one thing I'm excited about more than this quarterback matchup, is the coaching matchup. I mean, these guys are going to have their teams ready. This is going to be, I think, a coaching clinic. And you could see why I wanted this game, game one. I mean, there's just so many storylines. There's so many angles that this game can be broken down to. This is going to be exciting. Last week, you know, of course, I was just sitting there nonchalant in my man cave and just watching the guy. I'm going to be on my feet the entire game for this one. I can't wait to see it. Love me some D'Amico Ryans. Love me some Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. Love these guys both. (sighs) But it's going to be time Sunday. Do the Colts continue ownership of the Houston Texans? Or can the Houston Texans make a statement in their home opener for D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud? We'll find out. Hopefully the Colts come back one and one, maybe try and get some momentum going, try and see what they got. Maybe they can make that seventh seed in the playoffs. Who knows? Or go get Marvin Harrison Jr. But, hey, we're going to figure it out, okay? So like Landon said last week, it's one step closer to Marvin Harrison Jr., but do they make one step closer to a playoff seed? We'll find out Sunday. Catch us there. Again, if you're not already, subscribe to the Blue Stable 
on YouTube. Like us on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite Colts podcast. Other than that, guys, he has landed. He is Marcus. I am Michael. Thank you again, and we will see y'all Sunday postgame. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.